Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Wow, uh, we do that every time now. This time it was Evan and not Nick, and now it's me and Nick, and we got a great show what lined up. up. Episode 105, midweek. When does this happen? Not too much lately. We got Not a big, often. big one lined up. We got Paul Macbeth in our green room about to go live. Nick, good to see you. I think you're signing up for GMC. Is that correct? Yeah, I signed up for the uh, qualifier event that's happening Tuesday, and I was really nervous that it was going to fill up. I literally <laughs> am the first person and only person signed up so yes. far. So no worries there. I'm in the qualifier event. So Tuesday morning, I'm going to try on Brewster Ridge to qualify for GMC because... I have not played well in Pro Tour this year, so that's the only way I can do it. All right, awesome. All right, let's do this. We are presented tonight, episode 105, by Cosmic Disc Golf. Uh, CosmicDG.com. Uh, really excited to have them lined up as our presenting sponsor tonight. But we're also happy. Nick, we haven't talked about it in a little while, but we partnered with Double G Craft Jerky. Mm-hmm. Interesting that they're a proud sponsor. Not interesting that they're proud but they're a proud sponsor of the USDGC. That was the interesting part. USDGC sponsor, and they're going to make sure that jerky is in every single player pack for those who are playing. I've also been notified, interestingly enough tonight, that McBeast Barbecue from Double G Craft Jerky is the number two seller all year. Now, number two, huh, that's interesting because my favorite, it's, it's arguably that, McBeast Barbecue. I think the little spice in there is so nice. Mm-hmm. But my mm-hmm. second favorites are the garlic lover's dream and the boom sauce. If I could mix all of that together in one bite, and I have done that, that is my favorite. Yeah. Um, so my mouth's watering right now. Yeah, no <laughs> use, kidding. Use code Nick and Matt to get a small gift with your order. A portion of each sale, in fact, goes it, when you do buy the McBeast barbecue. Portion of each sale goes to support the Paul Macbeth Foundation, which has been doing amazing things. You support us in Double G Jerky by grabbing a bag of the best jerky we've ever had. Nick, we've talked about it before, but I don't remember. What is your favorite jerky that they sell? I forget what it is. Well, since I'm an absolute wimp when it comes to anything spicy, I uh, I have to go with the McBeast Barbecue because I actually love barbecue sauce just in general. And so McBeast Barbecue and then the uh, the garlic and the teriyaki okay. are pretty close to my number Does two Does McBeast Barbecue give you a little spice? Because I feel like there is. There was... There was one batch that came out just a little extra spicy. It was so good. Yeah, and that was a really, really good batch. There was another batch that came out that was like extra barbecue-y. Like it literally felt like I was dipping barbecue sauce (laughs) on my beef jerky that already had a barbecue flavor to it. That is awesome. Um, And like I said, I love anything barbecue-wise. And so that's that's definitely my favorite. Use code Nick and Matt. Get a special gift. Remember we joked about like a penny off or something. But no, you get a little gift with with your order. And last week we let you in, or two weeks ago, we let you in on a secret, trydiscs.com. This is an absolute prize. If you haven't checked it out, you need to try it out immediately. Look for that special disc that your favorite retailer is out of stock on. Instead of searching each retailer separately, let trydiscs.com do the work for you. It searches over 170 retailers for in-stock items. I already checked for Athena. I've seen it in eBay. I've seen it on auction sites. This did not find it. It found a pair of sunglasses or something with Athena in it. But it searches all the retailers for in-stock discs. And, well, you better believe when Athena comes out, I'll use this because I'm not going to be quick enough. But this will find them for me. And it's also going to list coupon codes or shipping options maybe you didn't even know about um, for the search disc you did. They also have other tools like Find Similar Discs Tool. 
and a disc recommendation <laughs> option as well. If you haven't visited it yet, you're missing out. Nick, I asked if I could search for your discs on there, Nick Carl Night Discs, but you said you're only selling those in person, so I can't find those the, there either. The latest run <laughs> I've had mostly in person just because I've been traveling so much that it's been easier just to kind of vend them in the certain areas. I will have a run eventually coming out with resistance discs. So my next batch might go up onto the web, their website or on Discure DG's website. So either or, you'll be able to find it there. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and bring into the show without any further delay, making sure our mute buttons are good. We started out a little sloppy, Ben. ben intern Ben here, he's in studio. I'm, I, I only throw him under the bus every now and then, but it's it's a privilege for him to be thrown under the bus. Whoa, look at the goat background he has. Yeah, Spe <laughs> special reason I have the goat. I Because we're going to interview the goat. I hope you have a, uh, go full screen on yourself real quick. Look at it. Is the goat move? Oh, there, the goat is moving. Awesome. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and bring in the person of, uh, whoa, oh. Paul Macbeth that quick. Just like there that. You go. You're, you're hitting all the wrong buttons. <laughs> ben. Get, get on the ball. Welcome to the I show, know. Paul. We're excited to have you tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. Sorry about Monday. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we're not going to put that one on you. As I said during the show, technical issues happen to everybody, and they've happened to us here on the Nick and Matt Show. We, we are glad and grateful that we were able to line this up with you tonight. Um, so let's just say right away, obviously, congratulations. A world title is nothing to uh, bat an eye at, but you have done it six times. Congratulations on the sixth. Um, you still letting it sink in? Or is it old, old, like, is it old news now? Well, I shouldn't say it's old news. I think it'll, it'll really hit me when, uh, I mean, it hit me on the 18th. Well, I guess the 16th green when the, when I tapped out that putt, but, uh, I, I don't know if I'll be used to hearing six until they announce my, announce me on the first <laughs> tee in my next tournament when they say <laughs> six times. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm already looking forward to the next tournament though. It's like a new date, right? You have the uh, new the new year rings in and you're signing checks and it's wrong. And how many times are you going to sign five times, right? Before you're like, oh, that's a six. Have you signed it yeah. five times on accident already? I, so the only time <laughs> I really only ever put five or uh, on, on a signature was like right after I won. Okay. So probably similar with the six. I don't, I don't, I don't usually put a number on it. Okay. Otherwise, it'd be like a misprint, you know, like a, not a factory misprint, a Paul Macbeth misprint. But uh, so I'm thinking we start tonight and we kind of work through a lot of different topics, but maybe moving backwards a little bit into the timeline of how the event unfolded. I can remember day one, you're throwing out there, eyes are always on you on the course and someone posts somewhere in social media, Paul Macbeth's form has changed. And uh, they're just talking about, you know, your arm placement or things of that nature. Later, it comes out. Maybe there's a leg injury. At what point did you recognize that your leg may be a problem, like coming into Worlds? Was it coming into it? Was it during it? And then, like, how quick did you realize you had to modify some of your form? Well, so the arm thing for the form off the tee shots was I was just having bit like I was having trouble throwing turnover shots uh, pretty much for a while. But at Worlds, like it's it's a significant shot because you need to turn the disc away from the OB on a lot of the holes. So I was just trying to figure out. It was Monday, tournament starts Tuesday, and I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? Like this is insane. So I thought, you know what? I feel like my left arm's what's causing it. It's getting in the way. So I just pulled it back and uh, just kept it back on the run up, and I was able to throw a turnover. And I was like, 
I'm going to keep trying this. So I only got to try it at Jones. Uh, didn't, didn't do it at country club. And I, I just did it and went with it and just told myself it moves forward. But I think with how people are used to seeing me run up, it, uh, it was just kind of timing was off. Everything was off. So just pulled it off, uh, just pulled it back. So that wasn't injury, but I think, I don't know, something was thrown off there, but as far as the leg, like it was just like a severe cramp on the 17th hole in round, uh, two mm. round two, 17. And then, uh, on the 18th, so it was the upshot in 17 and then the 18th tee shot cramped up really bad. Made me yank it right into the tree, go in the water. Um, and, uh, from pretty much that point on, it just never went away. I was actually golfing with Nick today and I haven't played disc golf since, uh, since worlds. And there was like a little hill that I went to jog up and it just instantly like knotted up. So it's still, I don't know what's wrong with it. Okay. It was after a really, really good chip. He yeah. uh, went to kind of walk the ball in and then it, it missed it by <laughs> about a foot. But, uh, yeah, he was like, Oh, yep. My leg still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so- did you know going into the last round that if you were to win, it would have been the largest come from behind victory ever? Like, I think that's what we're hearing, right? Three strokes are, is the largest for, come from behind for the last round. For, yeah, for our world championships, which kind of makes sense because there was so many final nines in worlds. So, oh, you know, it's kind of hard to make up. It's hard to make up that many strokes with only nine holes to play. Did you hear that stat um, leading into it? Or did you know that yourself that like, Hey, if I do this, it's the, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I might've saw it after, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, since, since they took the final nine away, I, I, I know I've been, it's been me or Rick most of the time and then no one else got caught. So like I said, it, it makes sense. That, mm-hmm. It's the biggest, the biggest deficit um, made up in a final round of uh, the professional world championships. Yeah, it makes sense. And I don't want to jump all over here. So, well, let's just go ahead and jump all over. <laughs> Is there something about worlds or even majors? Because we can talk, you know, USDGC and the number 17 now, 17 majors for you, six world championships. Um, some people are talking about maybe an off year for you, all this, whatever. We can get to that later. Mm-hmm. But my question is, is there something special about majors for you that allows you as a competitor to perform better? Or is it that you're just maybe paying more attention at these events than others? Well, I guess I, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Mm. How many turn, how many tournament wins does Ken Climo have? How many tournament you know? wins does he have? Yeah. Like, just like, like that are the large number, like, uh, yeah, yeah. 200 yeah. 310. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like nobody knows. Yeah. Like nobody knows, but they know he's got 17 majors, 12 world titles, five U.S. titles. Yes. 18 majors, right? It, yeah. 18 majors. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. There's different There's numbers floating majors. around out there. Is it 18? It's, it's 18. It's okay. 18. 12, 12 worlds, five U.S. and one Japan, I believe. Oh, Macbeth um, knows. <laughs> I think we just looked it up today. Yeah. We were looking okay. it up earlier. <laughs> but, uh, you know, those are the ones that create a legacy, you know, it, Nobody's talking about how many tournaments Ken Climo won. They're talking about his majors, his world titles. Uh, and I think that's so true with so many sports. Um, you know, it's about, it's about the rings, the championships, and things like that. And uh, I feel like those are the ones that most people watch. Like I, I, when I watch golf, I don't watch the normal tournaments. I'll watch the majors, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Masters in, in the U.S. Open and those, those events. So... I don't know. I just feel like those are the ones that I really want to focus on and, and put a lot of attention towards. But I also love playing the other tournaments, competing. Anytime I go and enter a tournament, I want to win. 
mm-hmm. but I am putting a little bit extra into uh, the bigger ones. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you put extra into the bigger ones and I think interestingly enough, you play the other ones and I, I think it's probably self-explanatory. You play all the other tournaments to stay ready. Is that true? Like to stay ready and to go. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, uh, and it's just always a challenge too, but, uh, I think with the weekend and week out tournaments, what's starting to happen in my opinion is they're very similar in a sense. You know, I feel like so many of the styles are the same to where we're playing a specific type of shot more so than anything and, and not as much focusing on our skills as players, at least on, on I should say for myself. Uh, so I feel like I'm going to take a lot different approach going into next year and, and focusing on like getting there Monday and focusing Monday and Tuesday on field work and, and the skill side of it versus the course, because these courses don't have anything that's like hidden. Like you don't see local routes. You don't see these things on these courses anymore. It's kind of just here it is. Go play it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good insight. I mean, we've talked about it plenty over here. Like, what is the tour going to look like? How is it morphing? We had Eagle on just the other night, right before you were coming on. And we asked him about like, what's his plans of tour? Because he made a lot of efforts to only hit up the big ones this year. Um, which by the way, good job at the European open. I know it wasn't a win, but you were the only one who could even keep up and it was epic. So congrats there as well. Um, so you go into a playoff. And you have, at this point, more playoff experience at the World Championships than anybody. This was your third time, if I'm not mistaken. So you already had two mm-hmm. experiences prior, one being just last year, where in dramatic fashion was forced to a playoff, and then in dramatic fashion, or however you want to look at it, it was an island hole. Did you have any moment walking up to this island hole of this playoff this year, finding yourself fighting off, I don't know how to call it, demons or negative thoughts compared to last year? Uh, no, I didn't have any thoughts. I mean, I thought it was ironic that it was the 16th <laughs> and it was an island hole, but um, I didn't have any fears or doubts going, like looking back at what happened last year. Um, so in this island hole, I feel like I know a lot more, like I know how to throw it. I know what shot to to approach the green with and such. And then, you know, it seemed like it was so quick from <laughs> when we played it to the playoff Ooh. versus what happened last year at worlds it seemed like it took forever to get to that point, uh, to get back up that hill. Like everything was just so much slower and longer. And then how it happened, you know, it was like the tournament was over and then James threw it in and then he won, you know, this one, this one, I kind of knew there was that opportunity because the way the 18 shapes, um, had we been tied, I would have definitely pushed for the birdie a little bit harder, um, on 18, because I knew like, if I carried that hill that I did catch a little bit, it could, it could easily go OB long. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I didn't have to take that risk on the second shot with a one stroke lead. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll just ask this simply, do you like Island holes being a part of playoffs? Because now you've done it twice and uh, you've been on both sides of it. Like, what's your perspective on it being the starting hole of a playoff? I feel like it does kind of take away. But I, I think, okay, so this island I think was better than the one at um, uh, in Utah uh, because the drop zone is more gettable to save par. And with how close the OB is behind the basket, like if I'm, if I, if, he made his putt 
I would have to run mine to win. The island mm -hmm. that we played at Utah, if I made my putt, well, it's a, I mean, there's, there's no like, there's no worry on the one in Utah to where if you're on the green that you're going to putt and go in the water. You know, you didn't have that. If you're on the green, you were going to three it at worst. Um, so it was, it, it doesn't have that, that dramatic feel that the one at a uh, Emporia country club has. So I don't necessarily mind it, but I love that Aaron still had a chance, even though he went in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I would still have a 30 something footer looking right at the water. If he would have mm -hmm. made his from the drop zone. Yeah. So yeah. It, it would not have been easy. No, and it doesn't seem like it's ever easy with water as a direct backstop to any putt, but you yeah. were able to do I it mean, in the final round leading up to that point where he attempted it. Kudos to him. We talked to him about that. I mean, he had the, I, I'll call it the competitive courage. Maybe it was the right play to do, but he did it and he hit the front rim. You were able to put it down and gain that stroke there. And then going into 17 tied up at that point, that was a, that was a pretty big move. We didn't know how it would get there, but it did. And then 17, did your did your drive come out errantly? I, I mean, it seems like it did, right? I mean, was it just a misthrown drive off of seventeen? No, it was exactly how I wanted to throw it. Uh, Calvin threw his right into the ground. We had a headwind um, on that hole, and I was up second, and I just put it about eye level, which is about what you want, and it just lifted the headwind, just lifted it up right into that uh, branch. Because then Matteo followed it up right after and did the same thing. You know, just kind of lifted, pulled it right into that branch. And then uh, the difference is Aaron went with a turnover. So his uh, he threw a little bit more overstable disc. So he threw a turnover and it stayed low, fighting that wind, and then didn't pick up until it started hyzering out. Uh, so that was the the big difference he did on his shot. Mm -hmm. To where I was trying to play, I was trying to play the bigger part of the gap on the right side with a little bit of hyzer, let the disc flip up. Um, and uh, yeah, Aaron just went with the lower the lower gap on the left side turnover, and was able to push it really far up there. I have to go based off of disc golf media, the commentary, Nate Doss, Brian Earhart, others who are commenting online that 17s, can we call it an approach shot? It was an approach shot. It's not your stereotypical approach shot, but I have to go by them saying it is absolutely insane and a very low percentage shot. And I have to take their word for it. And I have to ask you, because we've all seen it, it was executed to, well, let's ask you a few things. Did you execute it exactly how you wanted to, or did it end up better than what you wanted? It definitely ended up better than I expected um, because I knew I had to push the ceiling on that hole because where Aaron was, it was worst case, you know, he took the par, you know, probably, probably seven out of 10 times as he birdie it from there. Um, so I knew Calvin had just thrown it OB trying to go right side. So I knew for me to at least put some pressure on Aaron, I looked at the left side, I could lay it up and then hyzer, but then that's really giving him an advantage um, and all that. But I knew if I took the low right gap, I was going to at least guarantee myself a par if I made it across and maybe a hope and a prayer to toss one, toss one in if he got really close. But when I cleared the OB and cleared the mound, I got a skip, which I was not expecting. I was expecting to be like 110 or so feet away because of how low the ceiling was. But when I got the skip and stepped up there, I was like, wow, this is just outside circle two. This is this is really makeable. And then I saw his where his approach was. I said, I could I could steal one right here. And this is this is this would be huge. Um, so I was not leaving my putt short at all. I was going to run it. 
because I knew I had the sticky grass behind the um, basket and uh, I was putting into a headwind. So I knew it wasn't going to carry too far past the basket if I did miss. Yeah. So 17, it was insane. Can I ask if I was to hand you that same disc, I meaning you could have that same one, which I'm assuming is the right one for that shot. Mm-hmm. If I was to hand you that 10 times in a row, how many times do you execute? Not how many do you want to, <laughs> how many do you actually think execute to that same placement? Out of how many shots? 10. You get to do it 10 times and we're Down watching with a camera and maybe a gallery. <laughs> I would need that wind and I, wow. I would need the skip to get one. Wow. Because, because there was other ways I could have tacked it, but that would seem like the safest one. Like I could have probably went cut roller and did all these weird things. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe one out of 10 if that, because I, had to, I, I think I might have caught a leaf on the ceiling. So to get it that high... It needs that height. It needs that power. And then I didn't, I didn't even have good footing on it. I was in like a little dirt pile, which was very slick. I had to check my footing about four times before I threw it. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, this is the shot of the tournament that I need. So if I slip, I slip and that's it. Um, or my foot stays in the ground, I plant and I get a pull that shot off. Mm. And I'm going to do this because Nick's both your friend and a co-host and he's been sitting quietly, but Nick, one out of 10 times, how many times do you make that throw? Well, I'll tell you this. I can't throw it as far as Paul threw that shot. So zero, <laughs> zero out of 10. I'll just be brutally on. So when I was standing there as a spectator, I was up the fairway a little bit more and I saw where his shot landed and I saw where Calvin, how he threw his out of bounds. And I knew Calvin threw a poor shot. Um, and I knew Paul like, the way I thought Paul was going to play that hole was not specifically just for par, but I thought he was going to go out and around on like a big Annie and let it come back in almost like a, a high stalling S curve. And I thought that was the only way that he could have attacked it. And then when I saw him lining up the shot that he was lining up, my only thing was he's got to keep it low for the ceiling that he has, but he's got to keep it high enough to make sure that it passes the OB. If he passes the OB, it's an easy par. And so at that point, you know, maybe he has like, I think he was saying earlier, like a hundred footer to where, you know, he can still run it, but where he landed was absolutely filthy. And especially because you hear the speculation of everyone else that's in the crowd, like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Oh, he's going to do this. Oh, he's going to do that. And then all of a sudden he literally, he threw what I would say is the perfect shot on that hole. Well, the upshot, I'm sure there was a lot of inspiration for that moment. A lot of work that went into it compared to even last year, the way it went down. Uh, so the putt had to go in for you to take control of this the scenario, meaning you're either going to come out of it tied or ahead. And that is, a, I mean, that's a great place to be. So yeah. this putt had to go in. Where does this rank in your mind? And I'm sure you don't have a ranking list, but maybe if it's near the top, you'll know that. Where does this rank in your mind of must get moments? I mean, I think even last year, USDGC, uh, whole 17s Island, you hit a big putt there and that was a must get too. So, I mean, where does this rank in your mind of must get moments at major specifically, I guess? Well, so as far as musket, I don't think it was a must get okay. uh, because we had 18 and we would have been tied. The one at USDGC was a must get because I didn't know the scores. I didn't know anything going on uh, at that time because of the UDISC issues that were going on. Um, but uh, I knew it was going to be a big one if I made it. I knew I was going to be in control if I made it because – 18, I knew if I threw my forehand, like I said, that upshot, I could have given more height if I wanted, but I didn't want to carry long BOB. So uh, it was definitely a really big one and gave me control going into 18, which was huge uh, because I, I didn't have to push that hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I, if I 
if I didn't want to. Um, but uh, if I missed it, then yeah, 18 would have been a lot higher pressure for sure. But uh, it was definitely one of the biggest putts of my career for sure, moment-wise. Okay. And then stepping up to 18, you have a putt for the win. And that's a great place to be as well. Uh, how far do you put yourself outside from the basket? And what was your mindset attempting that putt? So I think I was about 45 feet. And I think that's the first time I've ever had a putt where it's like, all right, you make this, you win the world title. I know I've had wow. some other playoffs like the one uh, with against Ricky, but every putt was that moment. Um, this one was literally, if I birdie this hole, I win the the world championship. So it, I wasn't laying it up, um, but I knew I had the the tailwind slash right to left coming off the lake, um, and then elevated basket. So I I knew just put it high enough, but not too high because I don't want to carry over it. And then uh, I thought the 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 wind would lift it a little bit, and it didn't. So it just went right into the cage, a little low left. But uh, yeah, I, I was running that one the whole way uh, because his was his was guaranteed um but uh yeah it, it was definitely a something i thought of when i was like all right like you make this putt you win the worlds in some dramatic fashion um but uh yeah i don't think i would have ran it any other way i don't think i would have trusted putting it any higher than that um with the the breeze that we had okay yeah i mean i happen to be standing in the atlantic watching it on my ipad and i'm thinking to myself he missed low but i was like I feel like I know your game. I've watched you for, I've watched you for 15 years. And I was like, he's, he tried to put that in the middle. Like, right. I mean, you tried to put it in, but you were erring on the low side is what you're saying. Yeah. Because I thought the wind was going to lift it up coming off the lake. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of blowing up the hill, blowing Mm -hmm. off the lake. So that's lifting no matter what. And had that basket been normal height, it probably would have been so much easier in that situation. Mm -hmm. Cause then if I don't hit anything, you know, at least if I'm aiming low and it lifts, I'm going to hit the basket versus aiming a little bit high uh, to where if it carries over, who knows how far that's going to go past. And then Aaron's the one sitting in the driver's seat and I have to make another comebacker. So um, I wanted to hit something if it didn't hit the bottom of the basket, like going in. Is there any moment, and I asked you this earlier when we kind of jumped the gun and talked about the playoff a little bit, was there any moment here where you were thinking of, and I'm, I, I think you answered earlier, no. But walking up to this approach shot on 18, thinking like, I can't let what happened to me last year happen. Like, was there any experience gained from that where you're like, I, I'm going to make sure that like this can't be like stolen from me? Well, the, the, the positive was he had to go first. Right. So if he threw it in, I knew I could get up and down <laughs> for birdie. Um, so right. seeing his hit the ground, I knew just don't throw it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Just don't go out of bounds and, and, uh, you know, worst case, we go to a playoff. He talks about, yeah, we had him on an interview um, in not replacement of you, but after your technology didn't work, we were able to line him up. And he mentioned um, that his body almost couldn't handle the fact that he had to make like an 18 foot, 20 foot putt there on 18. Like I can imagine with your experience, it might be a little different, but were you feeling and fighting a lot of nerves in that moment of having or trying to hit that 18th putt? The one in the playoff? I mean, no, the no, one specifically the 18. Shot. Like, he said yeah. his, like, body could barely take it. I'm just curious, in your mindset, were you calm and collected? I mean, as much as you can be, for sure, in that moment. Um, and it's just, like, 
everything slows down time-wise. Like you don't wow. know how much time's going by. <laughs> uh, you could be there standing there lining it up and it could feel like, wow, I've been here for 30 seconds. Like I need to putt whether I'm ready or not. Wow. I think that's the biggest thing that happens is you don't know how much time is going by to where you feel like, all right, I need to go because I'm, I'm getting probably close to 30 seconds right now. Um, but it could only be 10 seconds and then you rush something. So am I like, yes, I'm nervous in that situation, but I know how much cooler it'd be if I made it, you know, mm -hmm. like I want to take that time and be like, right, like this moment, if I make this, people are going to erupt versus it doesn't sound that it's not that fun to hear people just like, Oh, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, I, I don't think it affected my, my putt at all though. If anything, I feel like it makes me give it more. Um, you know, I think if you watch like the putt on 16, um, you know, after I made that stroke up after he'd made it, right. it was like on the heart and solid. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, like, I don't feel like I'm like leaving them soft in those moments. Like I'm, I'm really putting something behind them. It, it sounds like maybe, and I can explain it this way, maybe the clutch gene, <laughs> there's something there where you step <laughs> up to the, the moments. Um, it's interesting. You talk about uh, time slowing down because again, I hate to bring it back to Gossage, but he kind of mentioned that as similar to you in that moment, not being sure, like I hit the putt and now like, what is happening? Like, I'm not even sure. Like it's a weird body experience is what it sounds like to me. And it sounds like you've have a lot of experience with that. Um, let's go ahead and take it. The playoff happens. He throws his shot. OB how, oh, I guess right before that, the coin flip. Mm -hmm. Did you want to throw first or did you not care? Uh, I, I didn't care. I had my shot made up. I knew what I was going to do. I'd just done it a little bit before and I knew in the playoff I was going to put it on the island but I was going to throw it to the back wall like I didn't care as much um this time because and the reason why is because I played with Aaron yet the day before I played with him that day and he laid up on the he made it on the island then he laid up so that's just showing that he didn't have the confidence on that putt and, or on that green and then he made it the final round and he ran it but he didn't give it a full go because of the headwind. Uh, so I knew in the playoff, even if he put it on the Island, there was a, there, he was going to be nervous no matter where it was. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew if I, if I went first, I could knock it down. Or if he was up first, he was going to be thinking about the things that happened prior um, and, and just overthinking it a little bit. So I think that's kind of why he came up a little bit short too, is I think he was trying to put it closer than he had the previous two rounds. That's that's some good insight, Paul. We asked him yeah. that question, and that's what I was he's, say. If, that's what he said. If, if I was going to say, if you tune back to Monday's episode, for anyone listening in the chat right now, you can kind of tell with how we were talking with Aaron is that he had said he missed that putt earlier in the round. He said his putting that whole day had little been a little bit shaky from twenty to thirty five feet. Mm -hmm. So his main goal was to get it a little bit higher so that he wouldn't push the wall as much. So getting him into a more comfortable spot, fifteen to twenty feet almost for him solidifies the birdie but with that turns into more margin of error of getting a zone higher up in the air it's not going to push as far the stability of it is going to highs her out and ultimately that's what happened mm -hmm. oh, yeah i didn't watch so that's no that's okay yeah. it was interesting to hear from his perspective though yeah he was trying to put it closer and and mm. I, I can't judge it in hindsight for him but it seems like maybe that's what lost it for him but at long story yeah, short and I, you you, I you did the right go, play 
Yeah, and I think if you go to that final round, all his misses are in the same direction. I think they're all into the headwind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be like hole one that's facing like to the left. So yeah, I think all his misses were headwind, and the island was into the headwind each round. Okay. The pot coming back, I should say. All right. Um, if people are interested in the question I'm about to ask, they can go back actually and find Paul Macbeth's Nick and Matt show last year's episode when was it last year? Maybe it was two years ago, Paul. You and Hannah were in studio. It might have been two years ago now. Um, we got into some interesting questions, and one of them came up was like, do you show emotion? <laughs> As in like sad emotion or crying emotion. I think Hannah was pushing you and was like, like, not really. Or and you were like, Yeah, there's movies. I said, Are there movies that make you cry? And I think you said, Yeah, was it Secretariat, maybe? Yeah, Secretariat's definitely one of That's them. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, the waterworks flow. But so this moment on 16, even from my perspective, and people just observe you from from fans and media alike. Maybe we don't know you very well, but to us, that's a lot of emotion in a different form than we see from you usually. Um, what were some of the feelings you were processing in those moments that made that reveal itself? I think just the possibilities, to be honest. Um, obviously, the hard work, um, the focus, what happened at European Open, what happened last year, like being in being on that side of it now, you know, like last year I was on Aaron's side this year, I'm on James's side, you know, like I'm the world champ again. Um, And then also like, dang, this year has been a total toss up. Like this could be the turning point of the year to where it's like, you just control the year and no one talks about what happened at the beginning. It's like, wow, Paul won worlds. And then he like closed out the year. And like, there's no question about who had the best 2022. Like, uh, so I just was like, all, all these emotions came on on 16 after I, I tapped that out to where it's like, yeah, I just, I, I, the possibilities, you know, were flowing through too. And it just, you know, it made me a little, it choked me up a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and then everything else that had go, gone on at Worlds too, like just being like proud of myself for a second, like, dude, you like did everything you could and it paid off. Um, and then just the adrenaline dump too. <laughs> and your wife hugging you and uh, crying herself. And uh, that adds to the emotions yeah. as well. Someone you love nearby yeah. doing that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's interesting to be you, I'm sure. But it's it's spectacular for the fans to see the genuine feelings um, surface there. I, I appreciated that myself. Um, here, here's a question that I don't think we've ever asked anybody on this show. You see, you produced or had produced videos, short documentaries. I think it was when it was announcement specifically for your 10-year contract. Is that correct? Is that when that documentary was released on your like story? Oh, the make the make moves one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we dropped the make moves video. Yeah, and that was the 10-year. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we got a little bit of insight into you. Uh, again, I'll re- reference the interview we did with you. We found a little bit of insight into you, your upbringing. I've listened to other interviews, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Earhart and others. You had an interesting upbringing, as everybody does, but yours was unique to you, and it was inspiring, and your story is inspiring. If you could go back and tell Kid Macbeth something after winning the sixth world championship, what would you tell yourself then? 
for like uh are you saying like to win more world titles i don't i don't know i mean if you if you're if you're standing there right side by side with your 10 11 12 year old self and you talked about sports not being the biggest not being able to perform maybe uh to the expectations of some of your coaches you always felt maybe like i'm putting words in your mouth a chip on your shoulder but here you are today Mm -hmm. six world titles in uh having the life that you've earned what would you tell yourself like just looking at yourself right now i mean is there anything you'd say Oh man, I guess maybe just write more things down that happen. Uh, you know, instead of just trusting, trusting your memory. Cause you know, people are gonna want to hear the story later. Uh, so it's going to be hard to sit down and just try to remember everything. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think I, there's anything that I would say, cause I feel like it would change things. <laughs> Let's um, assume so it doesn't change. change. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's okay. Yeah, your, no, I, I, I your don't know. 10, 11, 12 year old self, you don't feel like needed to hear anything is the point. Or do you, you feel like there is anything that like you could inspire yourself with? I know it's a weird question, but just curious. Um, like, like, Hey, uh, like keep putting in that hard work. <laughs> like <laughs> you're going to get six world tight. No, you don't want to know that. Do you? No, probably not. <clears throat> Cause then that's kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like now you got expectations, you know, for someone. So I don't know, maybe just learn, you know, the nutrition and gym side of things before, you know, to, to, to do the longevity side of the sport, you know, like that's the stuff I'm still learning now and I enjoy it, but could it extend my career longer? Maybe, but it could also burn you out quicker because you feel like you're doing so much more work. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything right now that I would say. Even if it didn't, if it changed or didn't change something. <laughs> Interesting. Time travel is always a weird conversation. I just sprung that on you. And in the moment, I understand that. I appreciate your response there. Um, so you mentioned in your post victory speech, because you were asked about it in relation to Ken Climo um, and the legacy that he has, as well as now you're, you know, making your own legacy in six and you're getting closer to maybe matching the records. Right. And you, and I'm, the quote more or less would say, I wish Ken was more present in the sport. Uh, how are fans supposed to interpret what you said there? I mean, they can interpret it how they want, but what did I mean? Um, I just think it'd be cool if he was more present in the sense of like just being around the sport, um, like looking at other sports, you know, watching basketball, um, you know, you'd see Bill Russell, you know, before he passed away, he'd be at the NBA playoffs or the finals, or he'd be just watching. And, and, you know, people would be so excited to see him, you know, you'd see LeBron go up and, you know, say hi to, to Bill Russell, or he's at the awards, you know, when they're handing out MVP trophies, they're handing out, you know, the, the uh, NBA championship, you'd see this with, you know, football with the hall of fame. And like, you see these people that so many players looked up to that are in the current generation or the generation before, or, you know, like, I feel like nobody knows who the, who Kenny is. Like nobody knows who, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's just like, you just hear a lot about him, but you never see him. Um, and I don't think it would be too hard for him to be at these events, you know, and people think that I'm like saying like, Oh, he should start playing like Scott Stokely, you know, or, or Barry Schultz or things like that. I mean, I, he obviously has some physical issues that he's he's working on. So I don't 
want to see that. But I would also say, like, I watched, you know, golf and you'd see Arnold Palmer, you know, he'd do the first hole at the Masters or they'd do that little par three thing and, and they would televise it and they would just show these legends. And uh, I just feel like that's something Kenny could do, you know, like so many players that got into the sport, especially during and post pandemic, like I've never even seen him ever. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if he was more present. And I think it would mean more too when people are talking about this major record or the world titles and things like that to where you can put a face to to what people are trying to compare me to, you know, or what I'm chasing. Right. Right. No, I understand that. Do you have plans? (laughs) Do you have plans to always be a part of the sport? Have you thought about that? I mean, I know you're in it right now competing, but like, have you thought about the long term what that might look like? Definitely. I have a line of discs with my name on it, you know, more so than just a signature disc okay. and I'm doing course design and I'm doing, you know, with my foundation and the growth of disc golf and all that. So it's like, those are all things I want to dive even more into once I'm done playing. Okay. And that could be something that allows me to f- stop my career sooner and have like a true retirement, you know, or like, this is the last year I'm playing these type type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's some arguments out there and I'm not here to echo them all, but the the idea of like maybe he didn't have the same opportunities back then and and maybe now there's difficulties. But it, just again, concisely, you just wish people knew who he was and maybe if he had the ability, he'd be at these events. Does that sound right? Yeah, and I think there's so many opportunities still for Ken Climo. Like mm-hmm. uh, I went golfing with Nick today and I wore a shirt and it was an Arnold Palmer shirt. Like Yeah, great like point. He, he can still be around and be a legendary course designer that people are paying, you know, 10, 20, 30, hundred thousand dollars for him to come design a course in their home state or their hometown or whatever. And like, that's, I don't know if that's something he's ever thought about, you know, but he is still so relevant in disc golf, but um, yeah, I just think there's so many more ways that he could be a part of it too. Okay. I mean, even going back Go ahead, years Nick. and years ago, we talk about how Ken Climo was doing commentary at the USCGC. I think he was on the 17th green doing it live. I mean, the, the, the amount of insight that Ken Climo could bring to the game. And I, I remember thoroughly enjoying his commentary at USCGC all those years ago. And I know the PDGA or the Disc Golf Pro Tour, the Disc Golf Network, I'm sure would absolutely love to have Ken Climo on as a commentator with how often we've seen commentators kind of rotate in and out of the whole um program of things at DGN. I think Ken Climo would do an incredible job at it. Um, I think a lot of people took that comment, kind of like the sentence that you had said of just like, they took it in such a negative way and it wasn't saying I wish he was more present in play wise. Like yeah. it was just more like more involved in the sport where we know he could be in a sense of like, I'm sure the opportunities would arise. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the one thing that does annoy me is that, you know, he wants to be present. He wants his titles to be talked about, his majors, et cetera, you know, his career. But he only shows up when people are talking about worlds and then he'll get on Facebook and he'll just like talk about himself the whole time. It's like, but what what are you trying to prove? Like, get out here and just be present. Like, don't, don't we would just pay for comment that. on stuff on Facebook. We, we would pay for that. We could do the match. And I know it wouldn't be a straight head-to-head fair situation, but I, I heard him in another podcast. Shout out to, uh, I don't know if it's Rest in Peace now, but the Running It With Nate Sexton podcast, but uh, where he was interviewed. And he thought he would have a chance with the same discs in the woods. Like, if he could go back to the same disc and we take in the woods against you and others, 
he thinks he has a chance. So that's great. But we'd love to see that content. You're right. I mean, it would be pretty interesting to see. Um, well, yeah, and and I don't. I'm not trying to play against him no. or anything. Like he's fifty <laughs> mean... something years old. Like, yeah, like it'd just be great to see him. Yeah, you know, and and be have a presence in disc golf and not just someone that people talk about. And if if he, oh, what I was gonna say is if he wants to just disappear and and kind of just live his life and not be so, that's fine. But just don't come on Facebook and start saying all this stuff about how you're the greatest and look at my, look at what I've done. Look at what I did, blah, blah, blah. Just, if you want to, if you want to just kind of disappear and, and live your life, just leave it alone. Where am I missing this content? Does he, I think it's, I, I, maybe I'm friends from, with him. From a while ago. It's also his. No, it was from, it was from last week. Okay. Oh, really? There's more I think he shares week? a Facebook page that. with his wife, I'm assuming. And anyways, I gotta, I gotta find this yeah. content, Paul. <laughs> I, don't, a, I get tagged in all the time. So of course you that's do. How I see. Of yeah. course you do. Um, so well, I got it. I got a couple things. Yeah. I'm um, just kind of talking about, we, we ran through the end of the round, which is obviously one of the most important parts, the playoff and everything like that. I kind of want to go over a couple comments that you had made after your win of just talking about how you played that final round. And one of the reasons I'm saying that is more like you had said, I went out and I played Aaron's game. That last yeah. round, we talked about it with Aaron on Monday where he said, look, like he noticed that you were doing that midway through the round. He's like, he's literally now throwing the shots that everyone at this tournament should be throwing. It's just a lot of hyzers keeping it in a bound, not pushing too far for distance wise. Like, tell us about your game plan going into the final round. You're down by three strokes. And within, I think the front nine, you were either leading by one or you had it tied it all up. I forget exactly how it went, yeah, but just talk to him us. on the six hole. Tied him on the six hole. Okay, so your six hole is in. You're already yeah. tied up. Mm -hmm. So just kind of go with it from there. Yeah, so it's the seventh. Um, yeah, so hole one, basically I had the game plan of just going down the middle and then uh, throwing the forehand and just trying to get up close for a birdie. Executed that. Second hole, played my game plan through the turnover. And then uh, I was kind of pinched off on the, on the right a little bit, so I had to go hyzer. Um, left that one short. Missed the putt. Three was forehand the whole way. I felt like it's that's just kind of how you have to play it if you really want to birdie it. Um, four, same thing. The new hole, you just have to blast it. And the day before, I left a little bit short, kind of punched through the wall. So this time, I was just like, throw it as hard as you can and just throw it a little bit higher and let the let it carry the wall. And I was able to put it in the bullseye. But then hole five, he threw a forehand the day before, and it was just easy for him. He just pumped his nuke out there and let it hyzer into the middle. And then I think he threw hyzer from there. So I saw that and I was like, that's really safe. You don't go as far. But uh, what my shot was is I'm not really gaining an advantage on him. So I thought, okay, let me throw the shot that Aaron's throwing. Because for me, with my leg, it was really easy to throw forehands. Uh, and it was easy to, to do it consistently. So anytime I could throw a forehand, I was going to. So seeing him throw that there, I knew if I threw mine, I could throw him off his line a little bit. Because I'm throwing a force, he's throwing a nuke. So they're going to carry a little bit different. They're going to fight the wind a little bit different. So he's probably watching my shot and trying to get a little bit of a gauge on the wind. Uh, so I threw my force out there, put it in a really good position. And then he kind of just threw his lower and turned it a little bit. So he put him out of position. Um, and then he took the par and I was able to get the birdie. And the next hole, he would struggle on six because it was his first backhand of the round. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, so he, he tended to struggle on that one for his first back and he pulled a little bit because he didn't want to leave it early left. That's, you know, that's OB. So he, he did not want to make that mistake. So I think that's why he pulled it so much. 
And then, uh, so I was able to tie it up right there. And then the next time I took his game plan was hole 10. He threw a zone the day before. Um, he threw the zone the day before and he absolutely parked it. I had never thrown a zone there. Never even thought about throwing the zone there. Uh, but when I saw him throw it in hole f- uh, on day four, I said, I have a zone in my bag. I think I can throw this shot. I'm going to just absolutely rip it hard because mine's definitely more overstable than his, but it's still a zone. So threw it really hard and I put it just outside the bullseye. And I think he watched mine. And knowing his was the baseline, his is going to carry a little bit further, be a little bit quicker. And he just left it low. Uh, He didn't clear the hill and it kind of put him out of position to where he had to take the par. And then the last time I think I took his line was uh, 12 through the forehand up and over the bush um, and just cranked it. But that's kind of one you just want to take a par. But I knew he was going to play that way. So I knew I wasn't going to lose a stroke there. And I can't really gain one going up the middle. So I just was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to make this whole wash. We're just going to both par it and push. Um, and then, yeah, in 18, I know who th- I know he threw a forehand. So I knew I could really push mine out there and get it inside of his because he, he was throwing a nuke, which was a touch straighter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we've seen, and I don't know if this is actually brandable or not, but McBeast moments. Is that brandable? Have you tried branding that McBeast like mode or anything? <laughs> Oh, I've heard of McBeast mode. I haven't heard of McBeast moments, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, okay, yeah, good. There's a, new, there's a new YouTube channel, like, highlights for you, McBeast mode, or McBeast Mc moments, Mc whatever. moments. Yeah. No, someone yeah. else is doing it now. I have to hurry. Uh, ben, yeah. ben, get on that. Quick, Type it up. Hannah, quick, get an account. Uh, what do you call it? it? Trademark yeah. it quick. Yeah. Patent it. Um, <laughs> all right. But I was going to ask. Let me like, ask. No, let me ask the question on McBeast moments real quick. We've seen McBeast moments come out this year where it's like, okay, final round or this round, and people will talk about it and they'll say, here it comes. Like, he hasn't been playing that well. Maybe some fans are thinking you're having an off year. So, I have two portions of this. Are you having an off year? And I know the win, this is, changes the whole conversation. But up to this point, mm-hmm. are you having an off year? Or do you think it's just partly where disc golf is at, where it's hard to maintain a level of dominance like used to be? Well, I don't think I'm playing to my potential or what I should be playing right now. So that's that's one right there. Um, and I don't know, like, yes, I'm not having a year that I've had most year, like like a year I've had in my career, like most years in my career. You know, like I have a, a an elite series win. I have a major win. I have two A tiers. I got a lot of top, a lot of second places, a lot of top fives. Um, so it's like it's a career, it's a career year for a lot of people. A lot of people who have played disc golf, like that's a career year to win a major and elite series in, in the same year. Um, so I think, no, I'm not playing to my standards, but I don't think I'm having a terrible year in a, in a sense. So it's definitely not the year I want, but I know there's still four more big events coming up. So, if I uh, play really well and, and potentially win a couple of those, I think that whole narrative changes in a lot of people's eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Nick, that was my question. I know also, a did, lot of people... Go oh, ahead. I, I was going to say, does, do you guys don't have anyone doing stats, do you? Uh, you know, Evan, one, so here's, the, here's the deal. And I, I'm going to throw Evan under the bus. He's afraid of you. And when he found out we had the show lined up, he said, I'm out. He's messed up your stats too many times. So Evan what? Kearns from Statman, though, no, he's he'll not he'll on tonight. Text, yeah. We we can reach out to him. I think he said he's available on call. So if you have something, I'll send him I'll something. Say, what stat do you need? Yeah. What 
I'm curious, what's the who has the best major finishes this year? I know I have a first, a second, and a ninth. Is there anyone else that's done all top ten? Oh, okay. I was gonna say can't count Dick Dickerson because he didn't go to Europe, right? I also didn't take top ten at this one. We'll no. see. We'll uh, see if we get okay. a message back quick enough. I've sent out yeah. the not the bat signal, the stat signal. I'm just curious. Dang, we got a stat signal. We got to use that eagle gif <laughs> where it's like stat man, don't get on it. <laughs> yeah, nice. I have that gif. But okay, so Nick, that was a good follow up there though. So yeah. I, I've sent out a text to see if we get that back. Evan wasn't able to make it tonight midweek like this. But Nick, what'd you have? He said 90 seconds, so he's actually looking it up right now. He posted it in the chat. He probably um, is so mad I called him out. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, so, we love you. One of the questions that the chat's kind of been going up about, we've been talking about it a bunch lately. I've harped on it because I don't care for long, wide-open courses. But people are wondering, <laughs> do you like the idea of the two worlds courses being somewhat similar in the sense of they're more open courses, not super wooded, not technical, as you might say? Um, yeah. Do you prefer that? in the openness aspect of it, or do you prefer, I'm trying to look at overthrow actually said it in the chat and I want to use the wording that he did. So let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, does he like courses that allow for high percentage hyzers on each hole, or would he rather have courses that force lower percentage shots? So just in the sense of, I guess, more difficulty in it. Yeah. Well, the, the thing I don't want to say about these courses is nobody bid for worlds. They were mm. the only bid. So mm. we can't say anything about the courses. Like they're yep. the only people that wanted to host. So they were the best course. They were the number one to play on. Mm -hmm. So they were the best courses we could have played on for 2022. Gotcha. Okay, so, so Evan, actually, it. Evan Statmando just jumped in. He he has ability to do that. Here he is. So what's he the, heard the, oh, there that, he is. the stat what's signal up? went out, and here he is. So what's your answer, Evan? Stat signal. All right. So there's a few things you're asking. Average average oh, he's place. Muted. Evan, oh, this year? I was just no. He shouldn't be muted. He's good. Oh, I can hear him. Yeah, we can hear. Oh, him. you can hear him. I'm I can't. What? That's okay. Yeah. We'll let him talk. So if we're if we're doing average place at majors. uh Paul McBeth, you are the best, but tied with Matt Oram, who's only played two majors, at an average place of 4.0. Um, you have three top tens and three events. Let me just sort by top tens. Is that what it is? is that what that's what I was curious if tens? anyone that's played all three has gotten. Yeah, so Calvin has three top tens as well. Oh, nice. Uh, there's a few other people with like 100% top tens. Good. All right. I wasn't uh, sure. But the only other person. The only other person this year with multiple top tens is uh, Matt Oram, who has two from two events. I'm assuming European Open was the one he missed. What you said, Calvin had 100% top tens. Yep. One top oh. five, which would have been uh, Champions Cup, I'd assume. Gotcha. Uh, because he finished sixth, I believe. Did he go to Europe, or he did not go to Europe? Uh, this has him at I Europe. He finished top okay. ten. I can't remember his exact place. Nice, <laughs> Evan. Yeah. So Calvin's been having a great year too, and he's got two wins. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. to look at. That question was insightful, Paul. But we sent out the stat signal, Evan. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you were available. <laughs> and we just, you know, have to have Paul McBeth on to get you on. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm giving you. Yeah, I, I wasn't available for the whole interview. <laughs> but hey, here's here's one more. If we go by total cash at majors this year, uh, Paul McBeth's oh, at thirty thousand seven hundred. The next highest is fifteen thousand five hundred from Dickerson, but he's only played two. He missed Europe. Yeah. Uh, Eagles at fourteen thousand six hundred and ninety. Okay. Yeah, I think I almost got a twenty thousand dollar lead on the money. I think <laughs> sixteen thousand or fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Fifteen thousand two hundred. Yeah. Yep. Well, 
I know money is a weird thing to talk about, but what do you think about the payouts increasing the way they have over the past few years? I mean, we saw the championship go to the record ever, $250,000, but Worlds here, highest Worlds payout ever of $200,000, but you only see that over the last three or four years. I mean, if you go back and before that, it's all like less than $100,000 uh, or right around there. There's been a significant increase. And I guess I'm just asking, what do you think the model should be going forward? Should they just keep going to the moon? They're like, we're going to hit $500,000. Like, just keep, is that the model here? Or like, what do you think? Well, so when we had our players meeting at Worlds, they said uh, one of the biggest contributions to the um, payout and purse being so high is the spectators. Okay. So spectator passes and, and that money is a huge increase and which is to be honest that's how most sports are you know we're entertainers at the end of the day like you guys wouldn't watch if we weren't entertaining mm -hmm. we wouldn't watch if we you know if we didn't bring joy to your life in some way so um you know that's definitely great to see that the spectator money is going back into the purses because uh you know one i think they're there for to watch us play but two they're also there to enjoy being in the event whether it's the play or the amenities or just meeting new people from all around the you know world it seems like a lot of people traveling to these tournaments from um and it also makes them want to you know one up their tournament every year because they want the people to come to their tournament so why are they going to choose emporia kansas over you know maple hill so it, it's going to want to make them up their venues each and every time too so um, I think that has to do a lot with raising the money because then when you have the people there, sponsors want want their their products in front of these people, so they're going to start paying money for those spaces, and it's just kind of kind of keep growing and pushing each other one you know back and forth. Okay, Han Hannah's <laughs> Hannah has somehow your wife has somehow become a moderator in our YouTube chat, and she is swatting the flies. It's incredible. I don't know how this is happening right now, but. We, for, for some I, reason, I, don't have a chat. I, I am not a moderator anymore. So maybe we have too many moderators and I got booted. Ben got trigger happy over here. He just starts yeah. moderating. Who wants to be a moderator? Yeah. Moderator no, forever. Okay. So what, what kind of good are, things are getting deleted? I don't know, man. They're just having a blast. Chat's getting there. a little fun. It's an elitist. It's an elitist thing. Like I'm a moderator on the Nick and Matt show. So. Oh. <laughs> Okay. All right. I don't see any comments. I don't know what I'm missing. Oh, it's wild. It's wild right it's now. It's wild west this chat. So. <laughs> no, okay. one, of the, one of the biggest things going on in the chat right now yes, is for your, for your six-time discs, people oh, are uh -huh. wondering whether there's going to be claws on them or no claws. Are you going to go a different direction? We kind of put up a poll of what people want. And then also, do you have any idea when yes. six-time regular discs are coming out? Like six-time buzzes, forces, yada, yada, yada. Uh, well, if we go off history, there will be claws and there will be six times stuff. But I think, I think the regular six times stuff, stock stuff usually comes out close to the new year mm -hmm. because you got to get to retailers. Mm -hmm. But the claws, if we go that route, usually can be dropped on, on the website. So it's a lot faster. Okay. So right. I would guess USDC Another... time. I would guess. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like I still. To be honest, like I've been home, <laughs> but I haven't had a phone. I haven't had anything. Like we had no Wi-Fi. We don't have right. cell signal at this house. Um. So I've been pretty like isolated and just really unpacking and and um. Yeah, it's been weird. It's been really yeah. weird. Like today, tonight after this will be the first time I can toss some putts down in the basement and just kind of 
remember who I am. Ah, <laughs> like, that's a, disappearing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, technically the season's not over. We can talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, you're just talking about discs. I mean, the Athena, there was rumors going around before we even knew about it. You were throwing them on the course, I think, a little bit, but we didn't know what it was. Um, people are trying to make, you know, A-T-H-E-N-A is a sixth time and all this. Was there anything you were planning with Athena on purpose for like, hey, I'm going to win Worlds? Well, I think I said that in the video uh, that we dropped, you know, it's like, it's not about, it's not about, it's not about will I win a six, it's when will I win a six. Okay. Um, And it was just two weeks after we dropped the disc. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So talking about, as we get close here to the very end, the rest of the season, you're going to go down and putt practice. We've never seen playoffs before in disc golf that I'm aware of, at least in this format. And maybe you know something more than me. Um, what do you think about it? I guess I'll just leave it wide open. I mean, it's interesting at some level. What do you think? Yeah. So it's like, for me, it means nothing. Like I'm just playing the tournament, uh, because where, where I am in the points, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm already semifinals and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't have any implications for me. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of something that's a little weird. Like maybe they'll change the point system to where this will matter more to where like I want to stay number one. Like I think I just need to stay top top four or top eight or something. But like maybe this would be like, all right, I want to focus more because I want to be number one going into the finals because maybe I'll get a stroke advantage mm-hmm. or you know there's more cash bonus on top of mm. it or something. Um, but I'm not sure. So right now it, it, they don't matter to me in the sense of how the points are working. I just want to go there, play well at the tournament, and uh, I think I also have some weird streak of post worlds tournament wins and things like that that I have to <laughs> seven in a row right on. after worlds. Last so, year was Des Moines. This year you got to go for uh, GMC. Yeah, so which is cool. It's just, you know that's where worlds will be next year too. So, um, so yeah. So for the playoff, it, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I know it's like means a lot. I think Nick Carl has to qualify in some way or do something. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the right person to ask about. That's okay. This, uh, Just interested. Yeah, that was fair perspective. Um, when you're having a bad year, when I'm not having a year like Paul <laughs> Macbeth, the playoffs it'll be, it'll be suck. changed by then. Yeah. <laughs> the playoffs suck. I'm just kidding. I love it as a player. I'm How does it because, work for you? What's that? How does it work for you? If I wanted to get into GMC by qualifying throughout the tour, I would have had to get a hundredth or better at uh in the pro tour points um for me the way i'm doing it this year now because i haven't played well on the tour is tuesday morning anywhere from 7 30 to 10 30 um everyone goes out and plays during that time slot and i'm not exactly sure it might be eight people so they might take the eight best scores i have to go and look at it but i know i'm signed up to try to saying 104th or better now in mpo I think that's yeah, what he's which i'm say. not anywhere close okay so does that mean like what if you do qualify then you're just in the tournament then i'm just in the tournament yeah. or in the then playoff have- or in the tournament no i think if i qualify the tuesday qualifier event <laughs> then i'm in the tournament but does that not mean the playoffs like you wouldn't go to you're just in the tournament i guess if he wins because they're what 120 yeah what if times? i all of a sudden what if i won gmc <laughs> Like there's a lot of big know. what ifs there, but yeah, yeah I'm not gonna do, lie. I, maybe, no. maybe there's Tuesday qualifiers for Maple Hill. And luckily a bunch of us are staying at my parents' Amside, house for Nick, Maple Nick, Hill. So. Amside this week. Wonder. And I know you got, you I'm, got not allowed, I'm not allowed to play Amside. I already Dang it. It. They're letting them get into MPO. Yeah. I wonder if you like 
qualify for this and then like Maple Hill, if you're within 125 5th, like you can yeah. do the Monday or Tuesday qualifying. I think point. Maple Hill is top 72. So they're Yeah, but I'm saying like maybe they'll have like a only oh, a qualifier I oh, I only see. for like people that are 125th or better. Understood. Yeah. Interesting. It's a new but concept. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they modify it. They had to introduce it somehow. It's weird to talk about things that you might use as a brand, but that's partly what you do, right? You would do endorsements and things. I don't think whoop fit tracker. Is that something you use? Oh yeah. I don't have it on there. Okay. Anymore. But it's not, I oh, want, you can I see want my heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah I didn't want my heartbeat racing during this interview. Well, that's interesting. So no. I was, well, someone brought this up so, and we just oh, lost Nick for a second. My life. Yeah. We're, you're live. The question is going to be like, alive? are you able to look? Yeah, we're live. <laughs> oh, I, I froze. Okay. Um, Paul, during the final round, were you able to, were you wearing it during the final round in the playoff? Yeah. Were you able to look back at historical record data and see like, did your heart rate stay pretty even keel? Uh, I think it dipped really low in the playoff. <laughs> really? Let me see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can pull it up. It's highest. Yeah, it's usually at its highest when I'm uh, warming up. Okay, so Saturday like, around 6 p.m. is when this playoff happened, right? Yeah, so on here, uh, here would be five because uh the time difference. Or vice versa. I feel like I was at the beach oh, no, at like no. 7 o'clock and it was probably six, about 6 o'clock there. Or so I need, to, I, need to, I need to look at the East Coast. Oh, time, it's, so if, it was, if it was 6 o'clock on here, let me see. What day was it? Saturday. September 4th? Yeah. What, no. what day is it? What did I win? <laughs> Six world titles. It was what just an interesting question on? that I saw someone mention it'd be interesting to see data on just Saturday the 3rd, Paul. Generally. Third, okay. Oh, good, good call, Nick. Actual days. A strain of 16.8. Let's see. <laughs> it tracks your heart rate. It tracks um, your blood oxygen level, all that kind of stuff. And mm. is that helping you out like in your fitness journey? Uh, I think more so, like it's fun to look at, but I think more so in the off season. Okay. Hannah got it for a birthday present. So you said what time? Six? Well, I'm, actually here. It depends if they factor in the time change or not. Uh, on the East Coast, I think it was about seven o'clock or so. Yeah. So you can, I'll just try to show. <laughs> Go full screen on them, Ben. Oh. All right. We can see full screen. Let's see. Okay. Let's, oh, this is. No, uh, yep. We can see can good. See it? Yeah, we can see good enough. So it so drops where the block down. Is, is, yeah, that's around seven thirty, probably when the playoff was going on. What's the timeline we're looking at there? From the left side of the phone screen to the right, is that like two hours, an hour? Like what is that? That's an hour. Okay, so in the okay, yeah, during that period it dropped. Yeah, interesting. So it sits about sits about a hundred. Sometimes it'll drop below. It's because you went to yeah. into beast mode. <laughs> it just you start morphing. Okay, here you go. Here's the start. Here's the practice, and then hole one. Okay, the practice is the left side of the so screen. Really high. Okay. I don't know which side. Yeah. The really high is where I'm warming up, and then once I get to hole one, it just dips. Interesting. That is a personality thing and a competitor thing you've probably trained for. That's really interesting. Uh, thanks mm -hmm. for sharing that. And then. I guess we're, man, it's hard to say that Matt runs out of questions. I'll ask the last one here from me and then Nick can follow up with whatever he wants, but it's still the plan for you to move to Florida right now. You're kind of sitting in the mountains and that's why your cell service and everything's been messed up, but have you made the move? Do you have a place to go? What, what's that going to do to help your game? So we bought a house in May. Uh, so we bought it. So it's just sitting vacant. We're getting some like 
small things done to it while we're not there. And then the plan is to move the week after Pro Tour Finals. Um, and then we'll sell this house that we have here. And then we'll probably get like a small, like a small house in a neighborhood here. Uh, so we can have one in each because uh, Hannah's family still lives here. Mm-hmm. We still have a big draw to uh, this area. My brother lives here. Um, and we like this area. Like, uh, honestly, like maybe once, you know, I'm done playing, retired from playing, I might come back up here and we might live here mm. permanently, you know. Mm-hmm. But right now for my career, like I need to like be in here. What it's like is if there's a good sunny day in the winter, like you have to go out and play. <laughs> you have to like it's like you have to go out and play. You don't get the option because it's, you know, like four, like last winter it was freezing, you know, it's like 30, 40 every day and just like cold, windy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want the opportunity to where if I'm in Florida, you know, it could be sunny all week. And if I don't want to play that week, I'm going to go do something else. I can, I can wait till the next week and still go out and choose to play and, and, and train the way like on the course and stuff like that. Uh, I don't want to feel like I have to like take these opportunities and go practice because it's 45 and sunny out. Um. So that's what I think it's going to help the most. And then I'm just really excited to be back at the beach after, you know, growing up in Huntington Beach. Um, so, yeah, so really looking forward to, to being close to the ocean again. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think what you said about if it's a nice sunny day, you have to go out and play. I mean, I'm from New England. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You don't get in as much practice opportunities for sure. Yeah. And then, and then the off season, so much training too. It's like, I don't want to just feel like I have to go out there. Mm-hmm. I want to just, yeah. So, well, whoever buys the house you're in now is going to have internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, the internet's great. Yeah. yeah. Like the internet's great. The cell signal of Verizon, not good. Not like, good. I've heard like AT&T or, or Timo, I don't know, some other. That's right. Phones are really good out here. You're not there enough. Nick, do you have anything else to, no. to ask before we let them go? I've got one last question, and it's a question that literally has probably come up in the chat between the thousand viewers we have probably 10,000 times. Um, And it's a question that I think has come up on the tour throughout the whole year. Um, You've slowly been reworking your putt, and we've seen throughout this year that you've had kind of numerous different putting styles. What is going on? What is clicking? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to find your 2015 form? Like the question's been asked 50 times tonight and I want to make sure people get somewhat of an answer. I have no clue about the form. I'm just trying to putt with whatever feels most natural, whatever feels the most uh, repeatable um, and just be consistent uh, because I feel like any putting form could work, whether it's me or anyone else. It's just how consistent can you do it? Um, so I'm just trying to figure out what I can do the most consistent and whatever feels, you know, really natural is what's easy to do over and over and over and over again. So, um, not trying to change anything. Um, but if I could remember what 2015 was like, then sure. I, I, I would love to go back to that and just where I had no fear and just feel like I could make anything from anywhere, which is how I feel in the circle this year. Like, I feel like I've been putting really well in the circle but it's carrying it beyond that. Like even the worlds this year, what I missed three putts in the circle, the whole turn whole worlds. Like I don't think there are many people that putted better than that. So did the trophy make it to your mantle? I think we've seen that in a documentary or video before. Did the trophy make it back already? Well, there's two, there was two trophies. Oh, that was I, I was literally just about to say, this is my last question. Are you allowed to throw the show the second trophy that no <laughs> well, one saw? Yeah, I'll go grab it. Okay. Go two up while he grabs it. 
So, and I want to say this really quick. When I got into Kansas on Friday night or something like that, whenever I got into start practicing for Worlds, I was playing around with Paul and Billy Angle. We were playing like we wanted to play seven holes at the country club, and Paul was hitting every single putt. And he was like, Nick, he's like, I don't think I'm going to miss a putt all Worlds. And he's like, but what's really cool is I know I'm going to hit the putt that matters. And when you kind of look at it, Hole 17, all of a sudden he hits the massive putt that matters. So, okay, anyways, he's got it now. So there's been a lot so, of conversation about the trophy. I mean, we don't, we don't, oh, is this exclusive? For a Nick and Matt show exclusive. This trophy, we've never seen it. Um, so if you have it there, I mean, yeah, let's show the, show the two parts. Okay. So this is the bottom part and then this is the top part. And etched for our listeners, it's an etched glass base that says Disc Golf World Championships MPO. And sitting on top of it is a glass yeah. ball that looks so, like the globe. Wow. Yeah, so it is the globe. It's got Antarctica and everything on there too. So it's it's got them all. Is this the one but, that's uh, going to be uh, displayed? Yeah, I don't even know where the other one is. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> it's just interesting conversation. We, we it, actually, I mean, yeah. it was like, it was heavy too. Yeah. Like it was a huge chunk of like steel. Um, but yeah, I was out here. I don't know what she did. Trophies are good, this Paul. On, I, Trophies are good, right? To remind yourself but, of what happened. But like, you're not playing for the trophy. It's just a right? bonus. Nick, Nick, on the other hand, he, he oh. plays for the trophy. I play yeah, for both. Yeah. Like, dude, I, if I, I win something, one. I want to be rewarded with something in return and like money yes i don't get me wrong money's incredible <laughs> it's a great trophy. but like i'm playing for a trophy and cash i'm just i'm just messing with you nick hey look at that one hey hey go full this screen on, on that floor. one ben that this one was on the floor right here so it's an interesting conversation i don't think i have bad taste i mean it, it wasn't from certain pictures i saw it looked weird but like that's a so, solid piece like of metal this, yeah and it's all metal. Like, this is metal. This is, like you, could, I could literally probably just put into this, and nothing would happen. <laughs> just go put it downstairs. Just put into it. Wow, interesting. Well, well, at least we know. Well, I can't say for sure, but at least we know the money didn't all go there. Hopefully, it went to the payout, which now went to the Paul Macbeth Foundation. Which, if you're still keeping up with that, you've probably donated over seventy thousand dollars now to your own foundation. This year, yeah, nice. seventy-one or something now. Great. Yeah. So whatever the PDJ earnings is, is the donation. Yep. So, awesome. So that's what about a hundred, close to 150,000 now in the last two years. Doing some amazing things. Absolutely. Yeah. You've changed the sport, Paul. And I know that was something that I think you kind of envisioned doing in in your own way. And wow. Oh, that's all I can say is wow. It's yeah. great and privilege and, it's, and I mean, honor. It's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know if anyone's gone over to the Paul and Beth Foundation uh, Instagram, but uh, there's a cool video that they put out right before the final round of worlds. And it was like a good luck. We're rooting for you from every, pretty much every country that we've, uh, installed a course and been a part of. So, um, yeah, if you can go check that out and just kind of see, see like the different areas, the different people and, and just, I don't know, it, it was heartwarming for sure. Paul, on a personal level, I say it's an honor and a privilege for multiple reasons. I, I have a connection to you because um, you invited my son onto Team Innova back in the day. And that to me, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling like I'm getting emotional here. I'm going to hold that one in a little bit. But I would just say to me, the opportunity, my sons could play disc golf. That's great. They, they knew about it. But like to me, that was a great opportunity. And I know my son 
sons now. And just so you know, Tanner, world champion Tanner, yep. he got invited on the team in with his brother. And so it's like the ripple effect, Paul. And I just, again, yeah. personal level, thank you very much for those opportunities that well, you've done there. So Appreciate it. Yeah, Tanner didn't cry when I met him, though. <laughs> Hunter did. Tanner is stoic, man. I think his heart rate drops <laughs> in the final nine. He was just like, nothing phased him at all. Just stoic, yeah. so. All right. Those, Thank you very much. Dangerous ones. Yeah, it is dangerous. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes with it. He's a competitor at, at, in his heart and he's able to control himself. Well, Nick, you got anything as a closeout? That's all I had. Nope. Just said he beat me playing golf today. <laughs> <laughs> he told me you hit like a house or something. Dude, I hit a house four times in one shot. <laughs> like, dude, it, like ping, ping-ponged. it ping-ponged off the freaking house. It was hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, dude, if you were there watching it, like, I was in the shot. I was purposely aiming left so I wouldn't go near the house. But of course, I hit the ball on the edge of like the face of the club. And so inevitably it went to the right, which majority of my shots do in golf. And our buddy Chris was out there and he's like standing, you know, through the wood well, line. The, the, the thing is, too, with Chris and his family, they own that course. Yeah. So we're, so with, like we're with the owners and houses. like the people who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like this is we're talking like it's a really nice house, ton of ton of windows, like big, big house, too. And of course, my my ball just makes it perfectly through the woods and it hits the house. And Chris just goes like this, like, whoa. And then it hits something else. It hits something else, and then, like a second later, like what felt like forever. But then we hear one fourth and final hit, and literally yeah, every I was time just like, it hit something, you could see it hit Chris's bones and just like, <laughs> it was oh. like cringes. <laughs> yeah, he's literally sitting there like, I'm gonna have to explain this to people. I'm thinking about just quitting. We're on hole ten, and he didn't get his ball. He didn't even go look. For no, it. I didn't. Even, it, dude, it was a Titleist Pro V1. It was an expensive ball. Apparently, I didn't even go and try and get it. I was just like, Yep, they just got a Pro V1. They're looking at Paul. They're looking at Paul like, Who'd you bring? <laughs> yeah, and awesome. uh, no, it was a blast though, dude. That yeah, was actually Nick probably was one of the most fun times. The um, awesome. the two guys that we went out with, Chris and Chandler, they're both avid golfers and play all mm-hmm. the time, especially the younger kid Chandler. And I've never seen so many straight shots in golf. Like he was just lacing the ball, and it was super, super stupid impressive. It's like watching you know in person Paul throw the shot on seventeen or Simon throwing a big. 700 foot drive like there are just few things that still impress you and but watching people hit a golf ball just on an absolute rope is insanely impressive to me okay so a few things happen tonight we're gonna let paul go we got the amount of viewers and the amount of likes that intern ben was razzing the chat about and ben's gonna drink hot sauce and just a little bit here uh, he's committed to it. He said it in the chat. It's going to happen. Um, but we'll let Paul, Paul, you can stay in or leave, but we'll take you off camera so you can do whatever you want. But we're going to go ahead and move into the closeout portion here before we get to Ben trying the hot sauce. So let, let me talk real quick. I mentioned double G craft jerky. I want to say that also the long distance competition is something that they are sponsoring. I mentioned USDGC specifically, but they are also sponsoring the distance competition and you can register at discgolfunited.com they've upped the payout from like 500 to 1500 so paul i mean you want to have 1500 maybe go try to win the long distance drive at usdgc um i want i want a, I want a world distance back in the day 2008 okay I said tell everyone how far you threw it paul well it was downhill but oh like, you don't say that what the heck yeah <laughs> it was like it was like 890 something okay 
Yeah. Well, okay. Well, no, I mean, you're I, I, I won the one, I won the one world distance title and I said, I don't have to prove myself again. That's awesome. I just focus on disc golf. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, again, we thank you very much for being on. Uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you another time. What a, what a privilege and honor. Thank you, Paul. Yep. See you guys. All right. See you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see you around, <laughs> see you later, bro. We'll see you around. All right. Peace out. Um, so before Ben gets to chug the hot sauce, which Nick, you you better be lucky. We didn't put you up to chug the hot sauce. To be honest, even if you did, I'd probably <laughs> actually, if you did, I would do it, but, um, I don't have hot sauce. Okay. I well, have he, a Coke in my fridge though, that I'll go grab and I will take a sip out of it. Cause I'm dying. <laughs> he went for upstairs it, so into my refrigerator that. after he made yeah. the claim that this would happen. If we hit over yeah, a thousand okay. viewers and if we got the likes over 200, we got up to almost 12, almost 1300 live concurrent, which is pretty good. Uh, for an off night for the Nick and Matt show, an off night. And then um, yeah, we did hit the we like. We normally button. get 10,000. 10, this is just yeah, an off. An off night. So <laughs> uh, Ben's going to drink some hot sauce here. But before we get to that, DG Max Wax, this product, I've asked Paul about this. I think it was the last time Paul was on. We talked about this and he's like, yeah, grip enhancement makes sense. It's, it would spin the disc faster. It's going to let you spin it faster, which means it will fly further. And so DG Max Wax will be your grip enhancement that you have been looking for. It's not like a dry bag. Use the dry bags. Don't get rid of them. It dries your hand off. Use a towel, blow on it with your fingers, whatever. Use DG Max Wax to create a consistent and a confident grip. Achieve greater distances. Every episode, it smells great. You have to find that out for yourself. The smell. Citradelic is the smell. It's essential oils. It works for me. We believe in the product. So many people believe in the product. They've been writing back to us. Hey, I got my first ace, which I can't guarantee. We aren't guaranteeing that. <laughs> they got my first ace, or I've thrown it faster and all that stuff. Uh, we're even in the chat now. They're saying their Max Wax is ordered. That's great. So they have the Mini and they have the Snapstick. Both are great products. Um, also, before we get to Ben, which I'm excited to watch. I just realized we don't have all the lights on you. Maybe that's part of the reason. Oh, that... that's why I forgot about that. Is that, that. light on? No. No, no lights are on, but it was working. Okay, you can turn that light on. So we got Hempfield Botanicals. By the way, I'm going to, I want to be careful how I tread on this one. We love the product. And apparently you love the product too, because we get the best response out of any disc golf opportunity for Hempfield Botanicals. We get it. I was told our listeners are the best when it comes to Hempfield Botanicals. There are still some of you who are sitting on the fence or you just haven't purchased it yet. I can't tell you that this deal is going to last forever. Use code Nick and Matt. You get 20% off. Evan's product. I say Evan's. His favorite is the muscle recovery. In fact, I'm going to put some on. I have, I've always talked about a little tendonitis. I've worked towards it. I've tried to get it fixed, but it helps me get through the flare ups. And putting it on feels good because it has cooling to the touch sensation. It smells great. And the CBD works to make me feel better. Use their products, the salve, the chapstick, or the muscle recovery. Use code Nick and Matt. Get 20% off. That's very significant. Go do that. And we appreciate your support as you have for so long. All right. We've made it to that point. 900 people watching now because Paul dropped. But we didn't lose them all. Let's go like figure out how to get Ben up on screen here. <laughs> <clears throat> Nick just said, guys, if I qualify at GMC and get top 40, I will chuck hot sauce. Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Nick. All right. So we're going to so watch. We need yeah. Udis to add that as a tracker now, like the hot sauce tracker for Nick Carl. All right. I said I'd, if we hit a thousand or a thousand. What is there, viewers, habanero in there? I don't know. 
I just you told me to get it upstairs. <laughs> Hot sauce. I don't know how much you're gonna chug. Does the lid come off of it? Yeah. Like the lid comes off. Oh, it's actually okay. It's a large I, bottle top. And I don't want the ch- comments to roast me either. So I'm gonna have to get a lo- lot of. No, just pour it in. <sighs> Maybe turn to the side so we can see it flow into your mouth. <laughs> don't get it on the this carpet. Is so dumb. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> For the chat. All right, here we go. Keep going. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> No, 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 he's joking. He's got a mouthful that it's too much. It's too much. Okay, Nick. What do you think, Nick? <sighs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's go. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it's much. A nice Coca-Cola. There's nothing better. Nothing better. I gotta go get wow. it, Izzy. Then a nice cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> ben, you I guys can't see him easy. off screen. He's like, I have to go get an Izzy. <laughs> like our juice carbonated. We got to get them to sponsor the show. Juice carbonation. Nick, in all seriousness, people didn't come around to watch us chug hot sauce or drink Cokes. But man, first hey, of all, I said privilege and honor. Chat, though. Yeah, I said privilege and honor. And I meant that. Like, I know you're friends with them. You're close friends with them. I've had the privilege of meeting him, staying at my house for a few weeks, the whole nine yards. But in all seriousness, I'm trying to take in the fact that we're seeing something extremely historic. And uh, I don't know what words to use here for our sport. And like in the future, we will look back at this and say, I don't think we really realized what we were watching. And I wanted to take that in. He gave us his time. He gave us an hour or more of an interview. Fantastic. So that was great. I think what we're looking at is just generational talent. Like you, you can, everyone can debate on the Ken Climo versus Paul Macbeth debate. We're talking about two different generations of players where Ken Climo was on the back end of his career when Paul was kind of starting up his and getting into the front end of his career into his prime. You know, we're just looking at generational talent and it's incredible because it's something that you only see out of a few players every single generation. And so, it, you know, it's like when, you know, for how Tom Brady was for the Patriots for oh so long. And then to see him gone, and then one day he's going to be out of the NFL just Mm -hmm. completely, and the NFL will no longer have Tom Brady. Like, there will come a day at some point where the MPO division won't have the Paul McBeths, won't have, you know, Ken Climo doesn't really play MPO, but, like, it won't have the Barry Schultz, it won't have the Ricky Wysockis, and then the younger generation of talent moves in, and then who decides to kind of take the throne in those regards? (laughs) Luckily, Luckily, with disc golf, it seems like a longevity thing, but... Um, I'm in all seriousness this is like the worst time to laugh because what you're saying is I'm like it's so true it's like it's like having a funny moment in a funeral I'm over here looking at Ben and like I can just see this feeling of like sickness he just chugged like half a cup of hot sauce like so just I couldn't hold it in but what you're saying is absolutely accurate so wait we've had so many plenty of bloopers that we're eventually just gonna clip a whole reel of yeah. all the bloopers on the Nick and Matt show. There's been so many times when <sighs> Nick's talking, we're just dying because something weird happens <laughs> in the background. Um, I will say this. I don't know if we really touched on it on Monday night, but a ton of people are asking why we haven't gotten Kristen Tatar on yet. Where is Kristen? Where is Kristen's interview? We've the tried. Of the, We've tried for like a yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the scheduling just hasn't been able to work out yet. She's hella busy right now with traveling. They went all the way to Pennsylvania. Anyways. Um, the week of the MVP Open, we are going to do another big show 
multiple people live in studio. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Kristen Tatar did say that she wants to be one of those people. So we will be able to get an in-depth interview with her uh, when it comes to her winning her first world championships. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we do one midweek next week when we're all up in Vermont. Maybe her and I can link up and get something set up with the show. But don't worry. We do want to have it. Yeah, no, I mean, my wife's heritage comes from Sweden. And so that's in their neck of the woods. Getting Kristen in studio, it could be kind of neat. My wife could try to correspond in a language she doesn't know. Uh, Kristen's great with English, obviously. But yeah, it'd be great. We're going to have her on. And we'll probably have on a few others, I would assume, as we get closer, because they're going to show up in town where we're located. Let me me ask the chat this, since we have so many people in the chat right now. In a couple weeks, when the MVP opens happens, and we have a bunch of people live in studio, who are some guests that you would want to see so we can reach out to them now? They want me to face Calvin face-to-face, and I'll tell you Calvin face-to-face. Calvin and me are bros. Like, he's hung out here, but maybe not since I've called him out so many times. But we'll do that. Um, I'm thinking here also, yeah, we're going to have different shows as we get up here. People, oh, this is funny, Nick. Like, People that listen, we obviously talk about Maple Hill a lot. But when I showed up to Maple Hill the other day, one of the grounds like managers there, he goes, dude, when people show up to Maple Hill, they'll ask like, dude, like, where's Nick and Matt? It's like their studio like up here in this game room. <laughs> like, no, Nick and Matt don't have a studio on site. Like, that's not like we talk about Maple Hill, but we don't live there. <laughs> we don't yeah. record there. So. I wish I did sometimes. All right. But uh, what an epic interview. I'm glad we pulled it off tonight. For me, this is four nights of disc golf talk. Sunday night is a prep night for a show. Monday night is Nick and Matt, then league night on DGN. And now tonight. Same with me, uh, Matt. It's what are we doing? We're partners. I told my wife, guess what I'm going to do tonight? Talk about disc golf. (laughs) All right, everybody. We made it to that point in the show. Nick, it's weird. Evan's not here. And we had a weird off night with an amazing interview. But you're closing it out. So take it away. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. This has been such an incredible show. This reminded me of last year's interview with Paul, the amount of activity in the chat going on and the amount of people that were in the live audience. Just super, super grateful. Incredible interview by Paul. Congrats to him six times. That's awesome. Uh, Don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to, if you aren't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, The Nick and Matt Show, go ahead and subscribe to it. Give a like on the video. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. All right. I'm going to start it out by saying, Ben, you're weird. No, you're awesome. <laughs> then My stomach hurts. It hurts. Evan, Evan in the chat, you're awesome. Yeah. Nick, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.